Hey guys, thank you so much for joining us for the NCC podcast. God is doing so many great things in our community, and I trust that he's doing great things in your life as well. And I trust that God is going to speak to you through this message. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Welcome, Pastor Denny Duran. Well, all I can say is I love that girl right there. I, uh, she changed my life. You know, I thought I knew what it was going to be like to be a dad. And they handled me. They handed me that little bundle wrapped in a blanket, and I've been a mess ever since. Well, thank you, sir. At this stage and age of my life, these really help. When I was a young, young preacher for many years, probably thirty years, I I never went to the pulpit with a note, but an old, old prophet of God prophesied over me. One day as I was preaching at a place where they, well, a college university where they prepared ministers in the northeast part of the country, and we were having lunch after I preached, and he said, that was real good, young man. He said, but when you get older, you're going to need some paper to get the fire started. (laughs) So all I can tell you is these days I need a little paper to get the fire started. It's just so, so good to be with you. I turned to my precious daughter. Uh, it's wonderful when you, your children are your heroes. And uh, I, I said to her, I said, baby girl, I, I'm going to tell you, as a guy that's been coming in and out of a lot of spiritual environments for a lot of years, this is my 52nd year to preach the gospel. I said, and as a guy who hasn't been here in a while, don't you wonder one minute about the spiritual health of this place. God's presence is here in a powerful and a prophetic way. You say, what do you mean a prophetic way? Well, what I mean is God is speaking powerfully in the air about your future. This place is going through a seasoning right now of your message, of your perspective, of your focus, of your mission. And let me tell you, God doesn't invest what he's already invested here if he doesn't have something in mind. The harvest is coming from the north, the south, the east, and the west. They are coming to this place to see what God is doing and to experience the Holy Ghost in this room. I can tell you that that is the word of the Lord. Amen. Well, in the first service, I'm going to ask you to, you know, pick up that, I started to say pick up that tape. I'm going to ask you to to pick up that message on your phone at some point. I, um, I spoke on the subject of where are the nine? Where are the nine? And I feel it's an important word. But in this service, I, I feel like God has something else for you. And so I want to speak to you on the subject of the parable of the leaven. The parable of the leaven. Now, this is not for those of you that aren't familiar with the Bible, E-L-E-V-E-N. 
It's not the parable of the 11. It's the parable of the leaven. What we believe in Christianity is pretty startling. We believe that God came to earth. And we believe that he was all man and that he was all God. We believe that during his time on the earth, he determined to communicate our level with everyone that he met. In other words, whatever high and holy vocabulary he had in heaven, he laid it aside when he left the throne and he descended the staircase into the home of an average Nazarene couple. And he learned to speak the language of the people. Can you imagine the Son of God drawing his ABCs? Can you imagine Mary sounding out his vowels? Can you imagine this one who was the one who spoke the worlds into existence, now humbling himself to be able to speak the language of the common man. And during his time of three and a half years of ministry, I believe he made some determinations. He decided that he would tell those that didn't spend a lot of time with him stories. In fact, his disciples asked him one day, why do you communicate in these stories, he, they said, you haven't told us stories. Why are you telling them stories? And Jesus said, well, because they have not been given to know the secrets of the kingdom like you. You're with me all the time. So I will always tell them stories because they don't have the ability to hear like you have the ability to hear. Well, I can tell you this. I know that I'm as born again as those disciples were. And I'm as filled with the Holy Ghost as they were. I know that I know Jesus just like they knew him. But if I can just be honest with you, I need those stories too. And so Jesus chose 12 stories to tell. Isn't that amazing? Wow, how important are those stories? He just chose 12. He said, these 12 will do. That's all I need, to be able to forever until the end of time make it clear what my kingdom is about. Wow. Now, I would call that the economy of words. He... Uh, told so many wonderful stories. And as he told these 12 stories, he always took from the world that the people understood. He took the parable of the sower from the farmer's field, the parable of the mustard seed from the husbandman's garden. He took the parable of the wheat and tares from that perennial problem which confronts the farmer in his struggle with the weeds. He took the parable of the dragnet from the seashore of Galilee. He took the parable of the hidden treasure from the everyday task of digging in a field. And the parable of the pearl of great price 
from the world of commerce and trade. But in this parable, Jesus gets far more common than even all of those common experiences. He goes into Mary's kitchen, and he chooses a story that everybody in his culture would know. The story of yeast, the story of leaven. And this is what he spoke. He spoke another parable to them, Matthew 13 and 33. The kingdom of heaven is like leaven, which a woman took and hid in three measures of meal until the whole was leavened. In Palestine, bread was baked at home. Three measures of meal was just the average amount which was needed for a baking for a fairly large family, like the family at Nazareth. And Jesus took his parable of the kingdom from something that he had seen his mother do a thousand times. Mary had shown him how to bake bread. And Jesus was now going to take that wonderful homespun illustration and show us how to know God. You know, when Jesus was revealing the evil hearts of the religious leaders of his day, he often used the illustration of leaven. Matthew 16, Jesus said to them, watch out and beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and Sadducees. What he was saying is this, the lies they tell the truths that they bend is no small thing. It can affect, impact, and destroy your life. Make sure that you watch the teaching of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Once again, the church was warned by the apostles in Galatians 5 and 9, a little leaven leavens the whole lump of dough. They were saying, you can't put up even with a little compromise. Somebody say a little compromise. It's not allowed because it will eventually impact everything in your life. Unconfessed sin will impact everything in your life. When you decide that you're going to live a certain lifestyle, things will not be good. You must understand a little leaven leaveneth the whole loaf. But what you have to understand that Jesus is saying here is that he is saying a little leaven in, and here he's saying these small moments that you're observing, this little band of men that I'm leading, these little talks that I'm having, don't underestimate them. Because what I'm doing here, although you don't understand it, although you don't see the fact that Peter, who is this boisterous, brawling fisherman, constantly rushing in where angels fear to tread, constantly answering questions he was never asked, probably voted by Galilee High School, most likely to embarrass everybody. Don't take this for granted. A little leaven... Leaven at the whole loaf, when this man's done, there will be cities named after him. There will be thoroughfares named after him. There will be universities named after him. There will be a basilica named after him. 
this man will be revered and honored above almost every man who has lived. Don't underestimate Matthew, this crooked tax collector, because his future will be profound on the whole earth, and there will be people that know his name everywhere on the planet. Don't underestimate the simple physician, Luke, because this man will pin words that will heal nations. Don't you underestimate my little band as we walk on foot from village to village and camp under the open stars because this leaven, my friend, is going to impact the whole world. And there will be a day when billions will call me Lord. Don't you ever underestimate the leaven. This morning, I've just come with three simple thoughts. To just give an over arching introduction to those three thoughts. Don't ever underestimate the smallness of your environment, of your perceived impact, of who you are, or of what's going on in your life right now. We're famous for judging the whole scene, aren't we? We feel like we know. We feel like we know when things are really good in our lives and when things are really bad. We feel like we know when we've got a shot to really do something special and when we have no chance at all. We feel like we know when God's really using us in a mighty way and when he seems to have set us aside. We feel like we know. But the peril of the kingdom is this. Don't you judge. A little leaven makes a great difference in the world. It leaveneth the whole loaf. And I, I, I think about my life and um, the path that I've had. And it's been a glorious path, I can tell you. But the thing that I've learned is this. So many world-changing things are crafted in very small rooms. I have learned the power of a leaven moment. See, first thing I want you to take home with you today, and I'm, I'm just going to speak to you out of my heart, but also out of my experience, because I've been around a while. I feel like that insurance commercial, you know? I know a thing or two because I've seen a thing or two. So I might not be the most profound preacher on the planet or the most articulate, but what I can tell you is this. I've seen a thing or two, and I want to use that context to be able to help you take another step on your journey. See, a little leaven leaveneth the whole loaf. Don't underestimate the leaven, the transformation of a leaven moment. You see, a leaven moment can change everything about your life. Let me say this to you. You may think that you're not on some great mission or have some great calling. You may not feel like you're in God's elite. 
SEAL team. But here's what I want you to know. In one moment, you could change the world. Your testimony in one moment can transform the world. It's, it's amazing how God can use you in just an everyday moment. It may come from an urging of the Holy Spirit to step out of your comfort zone and to say something to somebody that you're not ready to say. But you obey and, and all of a sudden, things just explode into a moment of transformation. I, I, uh, have, I have a store in my neighborhood and uh, it's run by young men primarily who are from Michigan, Dearborn, Michigan. They're all Muslims. And I remember walking into that store one day and the Holy Spirit prompted me when I got to the counter and I looked at the young man smiling broadly behind that counter, so full of energy and life, and I just loved him when I saw him, and the Holy Spirit just prompted me, and I stepped through my comfort level. You see, after all these years of sharing Christ with people, I still have to step through the opposition, the discomfort to invade somebody's space. Now, here's what I want to tell you. You'll never get spiritual enough or mature enough that you won't have to do that. Because after all these years, I still have to go, mm, okay. I stepped through and I said to this man, I said, what is your name? He said, my name is Hassan. He said, but you can call me Hoss. I said, yeah, Hoss got right. That's great. He said, no, not Hoss, Hoss. I said, okay, I got you, Hoss. I looked at him and I said, you know, I'm a man of God. Sometimes when I pray, miracles happen. What do you want me to pray for you about right now? I didn't ask him if I could pray. I just told him I was about to pray and he would have a part in it. He said, oh, my business, pray for my business. I said, okay, let's pray. And I grabbed his hand, and he just, without even hesitating, bowed his head to pray. And I said, Father God, here's Hoss. And I pray that you bless his business in Jesus' name. God, we give you the glory for it. Just increase it all around. I said, amen. He said, thank you. I walked in to his store a few days later, and uh, the line was out the door, honestly. So I'm standing at the back of the line, back at the door. It's not a big place. And I said, hey, Hoss. He said, hey, Pastor Denny, I've been finding out about you. Because I didn't tell him who I was. He sa I, said, I said, look, man, look at your business. He said, oh, yeah. He said to the whole group, because Pastor Denny prayed for me in the name of Jesus. Look. Man, that shocked me. Because this young man's parents helped build the mosque in Dearborn. Well, I got up to the counter and he said, Hey, 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 you got to pray again. 
Well, he comes out, and there are a lot of people in there, y'all. He comes out, and everybody behind me is forced to the prayer circle. Come on, come on, come on, come on. Pastor Denny's going to pray now. He's going to pray for all of us. Come on. And, and he just was ready, and I, I prayed for everybody. That was the custom from that time on. And I will never forget walking in the next time, and he said, hey, can, can you talk to me about God? And the Holy Spirit checked me. And I turned to him and I said, no, you're not ready to talk to me about God yet. He said, are you telling me you're a pastor and you won't talk to me about God? I said, that's exactly what I'm telling you. I said, I'll see you next time. And I walked out. Every time I walked in, he said, hey, who are you telling me about God yet? I said, no, it's not time. You, 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 we'll talk about God, but not, not yet. Holy, I've never had that happen to me. Every time I walked out, I questioned God. I said, God, I'm going to tell you something. If I'm missing it, I'm missing it big time here. Because this is very unusual. And um, finally one day he said, would you give me a Bible? I said, well, I'll do that. I, got, I didn't pray about it because I, I didn't know what God was going to say, honestly. And I went and I got, I got him a Bible and I brought it. And he, he put that Bible in his bookshelf and said, thank you, thank you, I'm going to read it. But he didn't. Later on he told me he was afraid of it. He didn't even take it out of the paper. He just put it in there and kept it. And uh, at Easter, we had our production, and I gave the invitation. And I walked to the front of the platform just like this, and I looked to my left, and there stood Haas. He had come to become a disciple of Jesus. When we baptized him, the imam said to his wife, you were a free woman the moment that his head hit the water. She took his bank account because it was a dual bank account. It belonged to her too. And she went to Michigan and left him without an ability to continue his business. So he lost his business. He lost his wife, his boys. He lost everything for the cause of Christ. Not only did he not renege, not only did he not turn his back on God. Not only did he not quit, but he moved to Dearborn so that he could be close to his boys. And he plugged in to a ministry run by my ex-punter from Evangel University a lot of years ago who has given the last 30 years of his life to reaching Muslims. And the two of them are there in Dearborn fighting the good fight. And a few months ago, I went to Lakeland, Florida because there was a very important graduation from the School of Theology that I had to attend. And that was when Haas walked across that stage and got his diploma and stood there proudly as a preacher of the gospel of Jesus Christ. A little leaven. A little leaven leavens the whole loaf. No grand pulpit, no wonderful program, just conversation, just stepping through the resistance of a God moment and claiming it because God's grace happened to be on me for that one 
leaven moment. See, not only is there power in a leaven moment, there was power in a leaven word. Wow. There is power in a leaven word. How many of you understand that God so values small moments away from the eyes of the crowd, away from the ears of the important ones, that throughout Scripture he gives us example after example after example. The moment that he spoke to that young prophet, Jeremiah, nobody knew about it except Jeremiah and God. Before I formed thee in the womb, I knew thee. Before thou camest forth out of the womb, I sanctified thee and ordained thee a prophet unto the nations. Say not, I am a child, for you will go to all that I send you. And whatsoever I command you, you shall speak. Behold, I have put my words in your mouth. There was no crowd. It was just eleven word that came from the mouth of our God. Oh, wouldn't you love just to somehow, when you get to heaven, pull the files from the archives and be in the moment with that precious, simple, uneducated, little virgin girl on that night when the angel of the Lord visited her and said, this is God's plan for you. And she pondered it in her heart. It wasn't a public proclamation. There was no celebration that the Christ child was about to arrive. Oh, no. It was just pondered in her heart. The word that came, it was a leaven word. I will never forget when I was a kid playing football at Captain Shreve High School that I was working out on my own. I, I didn't have... A lot of guys to throw to sometimes, and so I would just take the only football I had, and I would drop back over and over and throw it a goalpost. Then I would run, get the ball, and then I would drop back on the other side and try to throw it at that goalpost. Just anything to develop target practice, and sometimes I would do that for hours. So I was out at Broadmoor Junior High School. Somebody of you, some of you know where that is, and I don't have I don't have any idea why I was in that neighborhood of working out that day except for the word of the Lord that came to me in that context. Because as I'm playing, there is a rock and roll band. They were very, very good. They were from our our school, Captain Shreve High School, and they already were playing big gigs all over Louisiana and Texas and, you know, our region. They were accomplished musicians. Their parents were wealthy and were able to give them great lessons from the time they were very small. They went on to play for guys like, you know, Frank Sinatra and, and people like Barbara Streisand, crazy, crazy good musicians. And they were all my buddies. And they said, hey, Duran, uh, you know, we don't have a singer. Man, we got everything but a singer. And we hear you sing. Why don't you come sing for us? And they knew that I had this, you know, conviction against, you know, dancing and, and, and uh, you can dance, you know. And uh, because, you know, uh, you know, we don't, it was, it's like, you know, we're in a Baptist area, and of course, they don't believe in dancing. And they don't believe in dancing because they feel like, uh, you know, sexual promiscuity could lead to dancing. And so they want to make sure that we don't dance. And so what? So I, I, was, I was not a dancer, and, and, and I, I, of course, 
And they said, look, 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 look. Here's the, here's the deal. Look, you don't sing any of, the, any of the loud stuff. We'll get somebody to do that. You just sing the, you know, the laid back stuff. I said, please come sing with us. And uh, I said, no, 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 you know, I can't do it. I didn't, I couldn't figure out how I could explain that to Rodney. You know, I just, that's my dad. I just didn't think that Pastor Rodney was going to go for that. So I, I wasn't even going to bring it up. And, and I wasn't going to do it secretly. I was, was going to be, obe- I was an obedient child. But they set up across the street from where I was working out that day at Broadmoor. And they didn't see me, but I saw them. And they were in this practice room, and they began to play. B3 organ. Oh, that guy could kill it. Drummer. Such a great drummer, studio drummer. Great keyboard player, great guitar player. Out of the long family of politicians. I mean, they could play. Gosh, it was amazing. So I'm standing there across the street for them because after they all went in set up and they began to crank that music with the football on my arm, I ran over to the to the curb. So they were playing literally from here to that wall for me. And it was loud. And they began to play the doors. And I began to sing the song that I knew so well. Come on, come on, come on, now touch me, babe. Can't you see that I am not afraid? I began to crank it. Sounded good, (laughs) y'all. Telling you. I don't know what happened, but I just suddenly stopped. I wasn't feeling any bad about it. After all, I was across the street. And I had a leaven word. A word that no one else in the world knew I was getting. Not a word that was going to be important to anybody. I was just a teenager. But it came to me. And God didn't address the rock and roll. He didn't address whether or not I should be singing that music. He didn't rebuke me. He spoke to me in sentences and said, what is that in your hand? And it was as if it was only God and I in that moment. I said, it's a football. He said, if you'll give it to me, I'll use it. I can't tell how I love these boys because here I am 70 years old and after all those years God's still using it to touch young men's lives. Let me tell you about these guys. Come up here, Jacob. Jacob, what happens at 7.05 in the morning? Give me the sequence. Uh, we walk in there and they, uh, we shut the lights off and we have about a minute and a half of uh, just a quiet time with the Lord and then our coach turns on our worship song and we uh, start praise and worship and then uh, we have a prophet of God and an Uncle Irv and he brings us the word for about 30 minutes and then that's how we start our day right there. What are we studying in the word? Uh, right now we're on the doctrine of, doctrine of scripture. How long have you been doing that? Uh, since my sophomore year three years now. So you all have the same Bibles? Yes, sir. We all 
all of us have the same Bibles and let's grab those Bibles. Marked up all uh, all of our readings and teachings in there, and and uh, all underlined and verses, everything. So you've been in Bible study Monday through Friday for two and a half years. Has it changed you from the inside out? Most definitely. transformation of 11 word 11 where you see some of you got 11 word at some point and what has happened is you've you've laid it aside how many of you say I know exactly what you're talking about in fact how many of you know that I put my finger right on where it hurts when I did that raise your hand if you'll say come on let's just be honest I had 11 word come on right now I had one I had one you know what the word of God never, ever has an expiration date. And it will not return void. It is still active and alive. Just go get your hand on it again. It'll still have the same power that it always had. And I'm going to give you one more, one more, and then I'm done. There is transformation when you have the leaven of a God idea. The leaven of a God idea. You know know what the leaven of a God idea is? It's one of those moments when God gives you an idea that you either seize or you ignore. Come on, somebody. Now, when, when you have that God idea, this is what you've got to understand. It's going to change everything. Sometimes it changes nations. I can tell you that Cyrus in the Old Testament would have never had an idea on his own to release his best slaves to go back to their country and to rebuild their walls and their temple. But one day, he's just meditating and he thinks it's his idea. And for some reason, whereas the day before it would have been a terrible idea, now it's a good one. And the entire future of the people of God was dependent upon that God idea. Oh, I could go on and on and tell you about God ideas. You see, sometimes God ideas are not even for you to develop. They're for somebody else to develop. I'll never forget when the Lord gave me a God idea that we were to go to the middle of Shreveport and that we were to begin to move in circles out from the center and to adopt every block in Shreveport. Because I believe that what is measurable is manageable. So we begin to do it. Steve remembers that. Pam remembers that. Every Saturday morning, we met at what we call the Shreveport Prayer Center. There's an old dry goods business that, that we, uh, we converted into a prayer center. And, and we would go block by block 
and we would just adopt 20 houses for life. And those 20 houses began to be so impacted and affected that we realized with everything in us that we were on a God idea. We didn't continue that because there was there was a group called Shreveport Bossier Community Renewal. You've heard of them? The leader of that group at that time was in transition in his life. And he was one of our guys that marched with us in the parish for two years. He came to me and he said, look, I want to take this to another level. I said, good. We'll unplug and get behind you. That program was named the number one urban renewal program for the United States of America under this man's leadership. I sat down with a gentleman by the name of Tommy Barnett in Los Angeles Dream Center. He said, Denny, I've known him all my life since I was 18 years old. This is the first time I preached a crusade for him. I was 18. We're close friends. He said, he said, Denny, tell me about the adopt-a-block idea you had. I said, the parishman. He said, yes, that. Tell me about it. Twice I sat down with him. I shared it with him. He took the idea to Los Angeles. And now there's 650 blocks of what used to be the most crime-ridden neighborhoods in L.A., where there is perfect peace and hardly a crime because God's glory has filled it with a God idea. Just something small that happened in Shreveport, Louisiana. Nobody knows about it. They don't need to know about it because a God idea takes wings of its own. I can tell you about God idea after God idea, I could tell you about Aaron Benward, who sits right here on this front row. Met Aaron when he was 12 years old. Aaron was a great, great singer. He and his dad, Jeff Benward, had this duo called Aaron Jeffrey. They had 12 number one hits in contemporary Christian music. Then he went into country music and did well there. Then he became a producer in Hollywood. Loving God and living for God his whole life. His precious wife beside him, Kendra, right there every step of the way. They began to minister to kids in Hollywood. They did things that were just amazing and wonderful. But he came to me a couple of years ago, about two and a half years ago, and he said, he said, Denny, he said, what are you doing? I said, well, you know, I said, I've just found that um, the challenge of going back to the Evangel football team because they're so young is irresistible to me. I said, it's a, it's a start over. It's a, it's a, it's a do-over. We, we only have freshmen that we're playing. He said, wow, that sounds like a story that I'd like to cover. Can I bring some cameras in? The power. The power of the leaven of a God idea. He came in. He said, we're going to call this thing God Family Football. He began to do the story of our boys, of all of them. He began to do the story of our parents. He began to do the story of the prayer meetings. He began to film the worship times just like they were. He began to film the supernatural moments, the miracle moments when we prayed for healing and God did it. I mean, this thing is, is stronger than 10 acres of green onions, folks. It's, it's amazing. Powerful. So he began to shop at ESPN. Loved it. Said no. NBC. Loved it said no. They actually called us. 
to talk to us and to tell us, if you have anything else, please let us know. We're so interested, but we can't do it at this time. And then, a few months ago, Amazon Prime. What is that? Says yes. And they also say to Aaron, we have adopted a fifth pillar of entertainment. And he said, they said, it's going to be our faith and family pillar. And we want God, family, football to lead the way. Last night, we wrapped the first season. It's full of the Holy Ghost. It's full of prayer. It's full of the Word of God. It's full of worship. It's going to change the world. You say, well, how does that happen? It's the leaven. It's the leaven of a God idea. Stand with me, please, all over this place. What about you? You see, a God idea affects every facet of society. It affects the economy. It affects the way that we treat the poor. The way that we lift our neighborhoods and the way that we touch those that are in need. It, it has to do with medicine. It, it has to do with education. It has to do with everything that you and I are involved in. God comes in and He knows about everything. And He knows the answer for every question we're asking. So He breathes this private idea into this small space. And it changes the world. Oh, hallelujah. Let me just say this. You don't have to win the lotto to be used to finance the kingdom of God. He's, you're just one idea away. I said you're one idea away. I want to know right now because I'm going to, I'm going to uncover some of y'all right here. I want to know how many of you in this place have said, Pastor Denny, I have a God idea. Say, maybe I haven't surfaced it much, but I have a God idea. I want you to raise your hand all over this place if you say, I've got a God idea. I've got a God idea. If you've got a God idea, I want you to come and stand right here in the front of this place. Come on. Come and stand. I'm going to pray over your idea. I'm going to pray over your idea. Now, Please hear me, hear me, hear me. I have a friend in St. Louis, pastor. We were at a wedding, and he took us over to a friend's house just for a time of fellowship. We walked, I'm telling you, we drove through the gates of this house, and this was an unbelievable house by any standard. It was a mansion. So I asked the guy, I said, what do you do? He said, nothing, I'm retired. He was in his early 40s. I said, what in the world? What did you do? He said, well, I, he said, I drove for UPS. I said, tell me about it. He said, okay, let me tell you the story. He said, my wife had the most difficult time combing all of the hair, the snags out of our a dog's coat. Just, just, it said, it, 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 and she griped about it all the time. He said, and I just looked one day and I said, I can fix that. 
He said, I went in and used a few things I had in my garage and put together this. And I said, try this. And she said, thank you. Said, my first check after the patents and I'd sold the idea, my first check was $5 million. He said, I'm living off that crazy brush. And he said, this is the exciting part. I get a chance to finance everything my church does. He said, because I know where the God idea came from. Folks, that's pretty amazing, isn't it? But God illustrates that with, with all of us. I'll never forget, I couldn't hit my kid grounders one day. I couldn't hit him grounders. I got so frustrated because I felt like, you know, I was probably in my, you know, I was in my 40s at that time. I said, I have got to be at least in, you know, the least average among 40-year-old guys that can hit a baseball. And so I, I just, I went to the, took him to the Chinese restaurant, turned the little Zodiac thing over, you know, so that it was, I had a piece of paper, took a pen, and I drew up a machine that would deliver a ground ball or a fly ball, any velocity, any spin, any place with pinpoint accuracy on the field. And um, I called my baseball coach in, who was an IT guy and a baseball coach. What a combination. I said, I said, this exists, go find it. He said, it doesn't exist. I said, sure it does. It's a no-brainer. He said, it doesn't exist. Well, to make the long story short, LSU's got three of those, their baseball team. Uh, the softball team has three of them. Every major league team has one of them. It's called Fungo Man. Go look it up because it's a God idea. All I want to tell you is this. Now listen to me. Listen to me. Leaven is there in Scripture for a reason. Jesus chose it because it was plain language. Just a small idea, a small word, an obscure word. An obscure moment makes a difference in everything. I want those of you that will say, I want my word back. I want you to come and stand here. You say, I want the word God gave me before back in my life. I want to operate in that word again. Yes, come on. That's it. See? Come on. Come on forward. I want it back. I want it back. See, people are coming. It, 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 let me tell you, it has never lost its impact and power. Praise the Lord. Amen. Glory to God. Now, those of you that will say, Pastor Denny, I am open to all of this. And you'll say, I want this to be my leaven moment this morning. I don't want to have another one that I wait on. I want this to be my first leaven moment, that here in the darkness and the quietness of this time, I want to find a new surrender to Jesus. You come forward and stand, and then we're going to pray together. You just come forward and stand. I want this to be my leaven moment. Here's what we're going to do. Every one of us, we're going to lift our hands like this. Amen. Just like this. Just like we're receiving the bounty of heaven. All of us, lift your hands right now. Hallelujah. 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 Pray this prayer with me, Lord Jesus. I believe what I've heard. By the way, Jesus, thank you for the story. Thank you for making it simple. We get it. Small moments, small words, small ideas impact the world. They impact our world. So right now we lift our hands and we pray for something new to happen in us. All of us, open our minds 
to all of the possibilities of your kingdom in Jesus' name. Now, as you're standing there, I want you to do this. I want you to say, Lord, I repent of doubt and unbelief and thinking that small things can make a difference. I, I refuse to think that way anymore. Holy Spirit, fill me and allow me to know the possibilities of you using me to do everything that's on your heart. We love you, Jesus. We love you, and we praise you. Now just stay there for a moment. Hands lifted, and let God give you a wonderful 11 moment in his presence. Lord, a moment that affects the whole loaf. A moment that impacts our entire life. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Glory to your name, Lord. Glory to your name. Lord, we give you glory. Thank you, Lord. We're not just going to leave here encouraged. We're going to leave here focused on a future that is glorious. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Glory to the name of the Lord. Glory to the name of the Lord. Father, bless your name, Lord. His presence. Thank you for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure to subscribe and share our podcast. For more content from NCC and how to get connected, visit ncc.team.